If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold your hand up high if you didn't bring one. Let's all go to Acts chapter 4. In previous lessons and parts, we have saw how that the church began. And on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God fell. They were all came down speaking in tongues. And Peter preached uh, and thousands were saved. And then we saw the lame man at the gate called Beautiful was healed supernaturally, raised up. And the council called the apostles and threatened them, commanded them not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus and beat them. And they went back to their own company and prayed, but they didn't pray, God, uh, don't let us get beat anymore. They said, God, help us to preach this with all boldness. We're not going to stop. Help us to preach it louder and bolder. And Lord, we want some more of these miracles. Oh, we like these miracles. Give us some more. Stretch forth your hand. The signs and wonders. Do you think we ought to be of the same mind and mentality today? Help us to preach this gospel bolder and stronger and more miracles. Give us some more miracles. And in verse 33, chapter 4 and 33, we see an overview of the church at this time. says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Great power. And great grace. Does this sound good to you? Say that last phrase out loud with me. And great grace was upon them all. Say it again. And great grace was upon them all. Something was on them. And this is not imaginary. This is real. The scripture said that uh, Proverbs 19.12. The king's favor is as dew upon the grass. Proverbs 16.15 talks about the king's favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. Well, a cloud is water vapor. And, of course, dew is water condensed. Well, dew can be in and is in varying degrees. A dew can be so light it's barely perceptible. Or it can be so heavy it's like it rained. It's dripping off of the grass well, grace is that way. Hallelujah. And he said grace was on them like dew or like a cloud and uh, not just a little. Yes. Great. great grace. Somebody say great grace. great grace. Well, the same word translated grace is oftentimes translated favor, the favor of God. And the, the grace of God was upon them. Uh, the Bible talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, said she was highly favored. And James talks about God gives more grace. What is the grace of God? Well, Hebrews says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and get grace to help. His grace is our help. Timothy says, be strong in the grace. His grace is our strength. Hebrews says, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably or well-pleasingly. His grace is how we're even able to please Him and serve Him. What would it mean for us to have an increase in grace in our lives? What if you uh, had come upon you 20-30% more grace the rest of the year than previous, the first part of the year here? Would you know it? Would you realize it? How would you discern it? How could you tell? I assure you, every good thing we've been able to receive or be a part of, every good thing we've been able to accomplish, it was by the grace of the Lord. Do you know that? I assure you it was. It wasn't just you and your own strength. If it was good and you were able to do it or be it or accomplish it or receive it, it was by the grace And what would more grace mean in your life? It would mean that the things that you were able to do uh, with some difficulty, with more grace, now it would be easy to do those same things. Instead of struggling, you'd be sailing. How many like sailing better than struggling? Come on, you just breezing right through it, whereas prior it was a struggle. And here's the good news. Uh, if you were had been unable to do some things, now with more grace, the things you had formerly failed to do, you can do. Hallelujah. 
you will be able to achieve and accomplish now. And I'm telling you, with enough grace, you can receive anything. No miracle would be too great. With enough grace, you can overcome anything, any temptation, any addiction, areas that you had fallen in over and over again, just kept messing up in. With enough grace, you could get stronger and put it behind you and not fall again. Are you interested? Come on in, in greater grace. With enough grace, you could get free from any sin, any addiction. You can receive any miracle. You can be the full man of God, woman of God, mother, father, husband, wife, person that you can and should be with enough grace. Do you believe it? Like the psalmist said, Lord, I entreat your favor, your grace with my whole heart. Won't you say it out loud? Lord, I entreat. I seek your favor, your grace with my whole heart. Give us more grace. Hallelujah. Well, other scripture indicates and says that God, he wants to be gracious to us. We don't have to try to talk him into it. It was his idea. But there's a manward side to having more grace in your life. I'm going to review a little bit. If you haven't been with us, you can go out in the Word Supply and get the DVDs, CDs. You can go online, download it in its entirety. It would help to have heard everything. We've already covered quite a bit of uh, Scripture. But we saw what is the grace and favor of God. Among other things, it is, uh, well, I shouldn't say among other things. The essence of it is the presence of God with us. The presence of God with you is the grace of God. The presence of God going before you and preparing the way and inclining hearts and minds towards you. And then when you come in, you don't just come in by yourself. He's with you. And His grace and favor surrounds you, encompasses you, uh, the psalmist said. The presence of God. And we begin to ask the question, you know, what is our part? What can I do to obtain greater grace? We saw James said that God gives grace to the humble. And if you become more, if you grow in humility, then you'll, uh, you'll qualify, you'll receive greater grace. We also saw if you please him better, please him more, you'll get more grace. The scripture says in Proverbs sixteen seven, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now that's great favor. When even your enemies, the, the people that don't like you, people that hate you, can't seem to find time to bother you. <laughs> can't seem to get a plan together to cause you any trouble. Just can't seem to get around to it. That's heavy grace on your life, isn't it? Would you volunteer for that? And uh, we saw that uh, where the humility is concerned, an example of this in Esther. I'm talking about things we've already been over, we've already covered, but I'm reviewing a little bit. In Esther, the whole book of Esther is a book about favor and grace. Here we see a woman who was nationally... Uh, complete in complete obscurity. Nobody knew Esther or anything about her. She came from complete obscurity to changing the course of a nation and saving a nation from no influence to international influence. <laughs> By what? What did that for her? Just only one thing. The grace and favor of God. And the Bible, we, you know, people have talked about where favor is concerned. Oh, I want the favor and claiming it and confessing it. I have favor. I have favor with God and man. And that's part of it, but that's not the whole part. There's a manward side. What did these people do that worked with the will of God in their life? Esther, another thing we see that when she came time for her to leave the place of preparation to go to the king's house, they had the option of asking for clothing and jewelry and things. And when they asked her what she wanted, she asked the, the steward of the house, what do you recommend? And he told her, and she said, that's fine. And she asked for nothing special. And the very next phrase said that everybody that saw her uh, uh, found, you know, she found favor and grace in their eyes. Here's something I think a lot of folks have not seen. Faith people included that claim favor. If you want the favor of God, you want uh, special 
favors of him, then you don't ask special favors of people. If you're believing him for it, you're not looking to them. And if you're pulling on people for it, that shows you're not looking to God. If you're always asking for something special from folks, if you're always wanting them to break the rules for you, and make exceptions for you, and you say, well, I have favor, so I'm asking you. No, that's not how it works. If you do that, then you are relying on your winning ways to get them to do for you, and you're not relying on God to give you favor. If you're relying on Him, you don't ask for special treatment from people. You don't ask them for to make exceptions with you and that kind of thing because you're not looking to them. You're looking to Him. Can you say amen? amen. We also saw with Daniel uh, that a key to obtaining more favor was faith. Faith and wisdom. And we saw that uh, when he, as a captive, uh, he didn't want to defile himself with the king's meat, but he didn't demand and he didn't say, I'm not doing this. The wisdom of God came in and he asked. And we saw there's a huge difference between asking and telling. And if you tell people instead of ask, you can undo your favor. The Lord is already working in the situation and then you come in demanding and insisting and telling and you can mess up your own favor. And we see the wisdom of God. The man said to the, uh, Daniel said to his overseer, he said, uh, could you just try us, you know, just for 10 days uh, and then you look and see and you decide what you think you ought to do with us. Can you see humility in this? And he's asking. And the man had said, you know, I, I, if, if I don't do what the king told me to do with you, he's liable to cut my head off. The man is, uh, then goes on to say, yes, I will do your experiment. He's risking his head. That's favor, isn't it? And the reason Daniel, uh, see, so many times people start getting insistent and demanding, I'm not going to do this. The word says this. He could have said, the word says don't eat this, and i got to keep the word, and you can't make me do this. That's not how you get favor. But when he says, look, uh, try us, test us for 10 days, and then you look and see how we look compared to the other guys, and, and you make a decision. See, he is not putting pressure on this guy because he's not looking to this guy to make this happen. He's trusting God to do something in 10 days. Come on, are you listening? He's, he's believing God to do something in 10 days so that this guy and everybody around knows. That God has moved. And when your faith is in God, you put no pressure on people. Zero. When you're pressuring people and pulling on people and you got to do this for me and I need this special favor from you and this and that, um, you're not, your faith's not in God. You're looking to them, trying to get it from them. And you know, it's just, uh, it's not wise anyway to be asking for favors all the time. You know, and uh, people get tired of hearing it, and then something come up, and you really do need help. That's right. Come on. And you've been asking all this other stuff. See, you see what I'm talking about? It's foolish. Don't do it. Don't do it. Trust God. Trust in Him to incline hearts and and favor. And I know uh, uh, we were doing a deal on a situation some years back, and it was a goodly amount of money involved. And I had never done business with this fellow before, and and I could tell the favor of the Lord was there. Uh, but uh, I didn't ask for anything special. And uh, felt like maybe it should have been a little bit more going on there, but I didn't say anything. And um, he calls. And uh, this has been a week or so into the, the thing that was going on. And he said, uh, the Lord spoke to me last night. Well, now this fellow wasn't from our camp. He didn't normally talk like this. And... <laughs> And I said, yeah. He said, he told me that if uh, if you were uh, my friend, I would be doing better for you in this deal. I said, well, you're, you're already doing good for me. And he said, yeah, but the Lord said. I said, well, okay. <laughs> but see, I didn't ask for it. And, and one thing, ministers, listen to me. One thing that has brought reproach. On the things of God is ministers always asking for handouts and always asking for preacher discounts. 
That's not okay. That's not okay. Well, would, would, you, would you give me a break? I'm a preacher. Well, if God's as big as you say he is, why do you need a break? That's good. I better go over here on this side of it and see. Huh? If God's as big and he is the El Shaddai and he's Jehovah Jireh, why we got to go around with our hand out? Huh? Uh-uh. See, this is not right. That means you're not believing God. You're pulling on these people, trying to get them to do something. And listen to me, preachers and everybody. Don't begrudge uh, paying people regular amounts. Let me just turn it around. Do you like getting paid well for what you do? Well, you need to sow that sometimes. And don't be trying to squeeze everybody on every deal. And trying to get everything cut. See that's being led by money. That's not being led by the Lord. I've actually had the Lord deal with me. On one one situation we did several years ago. uh, The devil had tried to mess with the deal. And I won't go into details. But the Lord dealt with me. You call the man. Tell him you're paying him an extra $10,000. For it. I thought wow. Am I? Because <laughs> was, I, I was already believing God. In fact, I didn't have the money in hand yet, and I'm going to believe for more on top of that. But I knew that's what He said to do. I called Him, and the guy was quiet on the other end of the line. He said, "Nobody's ever said that to me before." <laughs> but when I hung up the phone, to me it was like, "Take that, devil! You mess with us." You mess with us. We're not going to beg and pour them out. And the Lord brought it in. It was no problem. Do you like to get paid well? Get full pay? Well then don't begrudge sowing that. When people do work for you. Or when you buy things. It's great. The Lord works something out. And gives you a great deal and favor. But don't always be asking for it. Hmm? There's been, and there'll be situations, listen, where that, you know, the Lord will deal with you. No, you go ahead, even though they said that you go ahead and pay them full or you pay extra. And you, even if you just see it as seed that you're sowing beyond what the deal is, don't be led by money. Saving a few dollars is not what it's all about. We need to be led by the spirit. Don't be penny pinching, griping, always begging. We're not beggars, are we? If you're really a believer, you're not a beggar. What David said, I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken and his seed begging bread. We're not beggars. Believers are not beggars. Don't have to be. we got a big God. And if we don't get it this way, it'll come in another way. Right? It'll come in from another channel, another way. Thanks be unto God. You know, I made up my mind years ago. I was not going to be led by money in uh, as it pertains to meetings. You know, I go out and preach in churches and conferences and different places. And people hear that and they say, well, of course you ought not be led by money. Well, should you be led by money any more than me? And what you do? See, people think it's different, but it's not. And, you know, if you hadn't been in my shoes, you wouldn't know. You know, you got stuff going on. You got bills. You got things and, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily uh, make you feel good if you go to a place and preach all week and they give you five dollars and, and you got all these bills. And <laughs> so the tendency would be to go to somewhere that you think, you know, you'll you'll have enough to do. But I made up my mind. I'm not going to let that come into my mind. That is not I don't work for them. I don't work for you. I work for the big boss. Come on, the big boss. And he's the one pays me. And so uh, I, I begin to go out and do meetings and pay my own way to get there and back and the hotel and, and the travel and everything. And with total disregard for what they might give me. And so there were numerous times that in uh, on paper I went in the hole. But if I'm serving him, do you know what I'm talking about? If you let money 
be a factor, then they'll play. You wouldn't go here. You might not go to this little place, or you might not go to this. You might not go to there. And in that case, you're not being led by the Lord. You're being led by money. And everybody thinks you ought not do it, but most people do. In the ministry and not in the ministry, it's just all over the place. But I, I just made up my mind. God is my source. He is. And I remember one of the first meetings we had. I was fresh out of school. We rented a hotel ballroom in the Holiday Inn, a few states away from here. And we drove in our Oldsmobile for two days. And we got there. We had our meeting. And we went for what was it, three or four days, whatever, whatever it was. And we did not have enough offerings to pay for the room. We, we were a little bit short. And we really didn't have enough gas money to get home. But uh, does that matter? No. People say, I don't know. It seems like it matters. <laughs> Who do we work for? Come on, help me out. Are those people in the meeting at the Holiday Inn, are they our source? No, no they are not. And whether they gave or whether they didn't, does that show whether we should have been there or not? No, it does not. And so I had agreed to speak at a little church, and I didn't know how little it was. It was a guy and four of his family members and three of his friends. <laughs> and I was, I was tired, man. I, I was, and we had driven and driven and driven, and we got there, and uh, uh, the place was not even finished, uh, closed in from the elements, and. Uh, and we spoke, and I was glad too, and I was going to leave. And the brother called, hollered and said, wait, 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 brother Keith, wait. Don't forget your offering. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. And he handed it to me. It was more than enough. Oh, From that handful of people in that little bitty place. See, now what if I'd have said, well, you know, man, I'm already in the hole. I can't stop at this little church and, and do this right. and that. Well, that's how you miss God. Right? right? The Lord is the master at bringing things through unexpected channels. Amen. People that you wouldn't think would have it or could do it. He delights in using them. He does. And that's why a lot of us qualify <laughs> to get used. <laughs> Said out loud, the Lord's my source. I don't look to man. Thank you, Lord. Let me uh, uh, go into some more detail about what we need to do to get more grace. Uh, two individuals, we looked at uh, Esther. We looked at Daniel. I want us to look at two more today. Go back to the book of Genesis, the 39th chapter. I want us to look at Joseph. Joseph is a man that walked in great grace and tremendous favor. Now we know it was the Lord's favor, but what part did Joseph play in it? We saw Esther played a part in the grace on her, and Daniel played a part, the way his spirit was and his faith. And What about Joseph? Well, you know the story that Joseph had brothers, and he was his father's favored the reason he got that multicolored coat was favored. It was working in his life as a kid. But not everybody is excited when they see extra favor on you. <laughs> All they can think about is, I want that. Why ain't that favor on me? And, and so um, he told them his dream about spectacular favor. That amazing favor. And even his, his daddy said, boy, that's going a little far there. And uh, so it made his brothers so mad. They're going to kill him. And uh, one of his brothers, you know, uh, kind of intervened and got him to sell him as a slave instead of just murdering. And so uh, Genesis 39 and verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. So now he is the property, just like a, a cow or a horse. He belongs to this man, Potiphar. Verse 2, 
And the Lord was with Joseph. This is favor language now, isn't it? What is favor? It's the presence of the Lord with you. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Now that just doesn't, at first read, doesn't seem to make sense. He's a slave, slave. And he's also a prosperous man. Oh, friend, I want you to know the favor of God can prosper you in any situation. It doesn't matter what part of town, what's going on in the company or in the country. It doesn't matter your background, your gender, your your color, your education or lack thereof. If you, now if you buy into it, it will limit you. If you say, well, they won't do this for me because I'm this. Or I can't have this because of this. And I don't know this and I don't have that. If you say it, if you believe it, you're stuck there. Couldn't he have said, I'm a slave. I can't own a house. I can't have a chariot. I'm a slave. But he didn't believe that. What he thought, slave is just another word. (laughs) It's just a word. And if you saw Joseph coming down the street, no way would you think he's a slave. The man dresses to the nines. He's riding in a chariot. He's rich. Can God prosper you in any situation? Anywhere? Any, if you're where you're supposed to be. Joseph was where he's supposed to be. He didn't necessarily want to be there. But he was where he's supposed to be in the plan of God. God was going to use him to save his people. Right? If you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, it doesn't matter the condition of the company, the state, the town, what part of town you live in. I don't care how many strikes they say you got against you. The favor of God will lift you up above all of it. Come on and move things. Think about Esther. Think about Daniel. Think about Joseph. You got the same God. Hallelujah. You got the same favor. Glory to God. Keep reading. Verse, uh, what was it? Three. His master saw that the Lord was with him. He saw the favor on him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Somebody say grace. 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 This is not just Joseph. Joseph can't do this of himself. This is grace on Joseph's life. Verse four. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he, Potiphar, made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put his hand to, verse 5, it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. This man is a sun worshiper, a river crocodile worshiper. I mean, he's into all kinds of stuff. He's not, he didn't worship God. He's an Egyptian. And yet, can you see in the, when the favor of God is on a man or woman of God, whatever they come into, is influenced and affected by that favor. Hallelujah. Even businesses, companies owned, run by unsaved, ungodly people. Come on. If they really knew it, they'd run hire every blessed man and woman of God they could find. Hmm? Whatever we come into, the favor of God is to influence that. And obviously not everything has to be perfect in order for that blessing to show up. And make a change. Can you see this? The next verse. What was it? Verse uh, 6. He Potiphar left all that he had. In Joseph's hand. He knew not all he had. Save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. And well favored. Now. We know the favor of God was on Joseph. But what part did Joseph play in this? I want to mention one word to you. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. You don't turn over everything like he did to somebody unless you have come to believe you can trust them. 
This man, you know he didn't buy this boy as a slave with the intent of letting him run all his business. He was going to have him cut his firewood or fetch his water or work his field or something. But there was such favor on this boy. He gave him a task and the thing just blossomed. And he thought, well, look at that. Let's give him something else. So he gave him something else. He gave him something else. He let him tend the herds. And man, he had more calves and lambs than he'd ever had in a season. He let him tend the fields. His crops brought forth like they'd never brought forth. He let him do this. He let him do that. And until the Bible said he didn't even know how much he was making, he didn't even know what was going on. Only thing he knew was what was on the menu today. (laughs) And that's all he cared to know. You do not Turn over everything like that to somebody unless you have decided they are faithful. I can trust them. And it was absolutely true because even when Potiphar's lying wife came and tried to seduce Joseph, remember what Joseph said? He said, uh, You know, let me paraphrase a little bit. He said, your husband has turned everything he's got over to me. He trusts me completely. The only thing he's withheld from me is you. And I cannot sin against God. I can't do this. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. See, loyal and faithful. If you want more grace, if you want more favor, you must be faithful. And if you're faithful in the little, what did Jesus say? You'd be faithful in much or more. And that's, he's big, big on stewardship. Now, even when uh, Joseph uh, ran out and Potiphar's wife then lied to him and he believed his lying wife instead of faithful Joseph and threw him in the dungeon where he intended that he never see the light of day again, die down there. You talk about total obscurity. He's gone from bad to worse, hasn't he? Now here's something else that we need to understand. In, uh, look, what is it, 41st chapter of Genesis? Just turn right there. Oh, I'm moving too fast. Y'all in a hurry or you got a little time? Okay. Chapter 39, 21. He was in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. There's that favor again. Is he with you? The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him what? Favor. Favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatever they did there, he was the doer of it. Isn't this something? Verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him, Joseph, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Same thing happened. They brought him down there. You know, they probably roughed him up some and they threw him in a cell and he's uh, put in the worst place where the, the prisoners that have offended the king, they throw them in the darkest, deepest hole and that's where Joseph was thrown. And he wasn't there a day or two until something about that man just caught their eye. And they thought, you know, I like this guy. Who is this guy? He's Potiphar's slave that, you know. And of course, of all they know, he uh, Potiphar's slave that tried to rape his wife. What? Yeah, yeah. And in just a few days, he's running the place. Is this amazing or what? This is what favor will do for you. What grace will do for you. Got to be faithful. These are hardened people in this prison. They're not just going around letting people run stuff for no reason. Hardened people. And yet, in a matter of time, the same thing happened that happened at Potiphar's house. This jailer, all he cares about is what's for dinner today. He don't have to think about the the prison is running the best it's ever run, the least troubles they've ever had. Somebody say grace. 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 Now I know, among other things, 
One of the things that enabled Joseph to have this kind of favor and grace in his life is that he did not let himself become bitter. Instead of being bitter, he was thankful and he was faithful. Say it out loud. Thankful and faithful. Now when your own brothers, your own blood kin sell you like an animal and know they'll never see you again and break your daddy and mama's heart and don't care and you sold for a slave it could make you bitter you could think what did I ever do to them they have ruined my life and then God blesses you and you take this man's stuff and where he was making this amount you double it you triple it He's worth more now. His net worth is ten times what it was when you came just a few years ago. And now he believes his sorry lying wife over you and throws you in a dark hole and throws the key away. You could get better. Couldn't you? You could say, what did I do? I didn't, I don't deserve this. I deserve better. But here's the problem, friend. If you become bitter and you start talking about what you don't deserve and what you, how you do deserve better, you forfeit your grace. This is not just my idea. Hebrews. Hold your place there in Genesis. We're, we're not through. But Hebrews 12 and 15. Put it on the screen for us, please. He says, looking diligently, lest any man do what? Fail of the grace of God. The... Uh, Amplified talks about fail to secure the grace of God. And what else? Why would you fail to secure the grace of God? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. If you get bitter by what people have done to you, you hold a grudge and unforgiveness. You're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your peace. And why would you be bitter if you believe you can still prosper and come out and do well? You're not believing that. You're believing your life is ruined because of what they did or what they didn't do, which means you believe you're done. You believe you're stuck. You believe you can't come out. You believe it's over. Your life is over. I can tell you, reading in between the lines... Joseph, though he became a slave, he never let slavery get in him. And though he was thrown in the dungeon, he didn't let the dungeon get in him. Come on, are you listening? He did not. He kept his thankfulness. He kept his faith. And you'll see it crystal clear in his 40th chapter if you're there. Genesis 40 and verse 7. Two of Pharaoh's close servants had been thrown into the uh, dungeon with him because they had offended their Lord. And he's running the place. And he comes in and he sees these guys and he says, Hey, why are you so sad today? Now, if you're depressed, you're not asking other people why they're depressed. And what could they have said? Fellas, cheer up. What's the problem? Why else is sad today? They could say, well, maybe it's this stinky dungeon we're sitting in. Maybe it's because they say they're going to execute us maybe by the end of the week. Maybe it's this rotten soup in here. Maybe. But can you see? He did not let it get in him. Even though he sold for a slave, he's going, well, I'm still alive. I am alive? Yeah, but you're a slave. Hey, you know what God can do with a slave? Watch this. Next thing you know, he is rolling high and living large. And then he's stripped and he's thrown in the dungeon and then he's running the place. What do you mean? Well, when you run into place, you get some uh, advantages. I mean, he had a big screen. And, and extra, you know, gym time and yard time. And 
He's running the place. But he's faithful. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. Say it again, faithful. faithful. If you get bitter, you fail to secure grace. You got to be thankful. The Bible said until the time that Joseph's word came, the word of the Lord tried him. That meant those years that went by. He was just a kid. But those years that went by, he could have gotten sour. He could have gotten hard. Being in prison, he could have got hard. He could have got mean. He could have got bitter. You know, your own family sold you for a slave. Man, you poured out your life for. You made him a rich man. And he throwed you in jail, believing his lying Why? I mean, but he didn't. And you think about this. When they came and got Joseph out of prison cell and said, clean up, clean up. Uh, put on some decent clothes. Pharaoh wants to see you right now. And when he stood before him and Pharaoh told him his dream about the skinny cows and the fat cows and God gave Joseph wisdom in the throne room and told him what was coming and what needed to happen. And Pharaoh looked at him and put the big ring on him and told him he is number two man in the biggest empire in the world. And nothing happens except through Joseph's word and that only in the throne was he greater than Joseph. When he stood there, he's 30 years old. He comes from deep, dark, dungeon, nothing individual with no rights, total obscurity to run in the nation. Somebody say grace. grace. This is what happened with Esther, isn't it? This is what happened uh, with Daniel. He's a little captive boy. Next thing you know, He's running the kingdom too. Esther, Daniel, Joseph, you. Same God. Now we have different calls and destinies, but whatever your world is, you're supposed to rise even if you're in obscurity. You're supposed to come from being an unknown to having influence. I need to say it again. <laughs> Even if nobody knows you or cares, God can change it in a day. It's not just all up to him, though. We've got to quit looking to people and putting pressure. We've got to quit begging. We've got to quit asking for favors and special treatment and bend the rules. We've got to actually get in faith and be faithful. And he'll do the same kind of thing for us. Now, Joseph could have tried. What if he had not been sold as a slave? What if he had not been thrown in the dungeon? Could he have gotten himself to number two man in the nation in quicker time by age 30? He could have went to the best schools. He could have fast-tracked. He could have wined and dined and made friends with the right people in the right places and been 85 and nowhere. That's right, Come on, are y'all with me or not? When God is with you, you can be on the backside of nowhere. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. But if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and faithful, God knows exactly where you are. He's got your address. He knows. It doesn't matter if they know or not. And he can put you where he wants you, when he wants you. He can move nations, my brother, sister. He's done it. Trust him. It's not your job to manipulate and push and climb ladder and backstab. Make your way and make people notice me. That's the way of the world. The way of God is to be faithful. Faithful. Go to the book of Ruth. You'll see this in her as well. The same thing. Book of Ruth, first chapter. Naomi was married and had two boys. And two boys were married. Two of the, they were outside their country. And so they were married to some national women that were not Jews. But her husband died and 
And her two boys died. So here she's left alone, her two daughters-in-laws left alone, especially in that day and age. No man in the family. It was a catastrophe, a disaster. And uh, so she tells them that they need to leave. They need to get away from her, that there is nothing left. They have no future with her. And in, uh, what is it, chapter 14? Uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 14, Ruth 1, 14. They lifted up their voice, these girls, and they wept. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved to her. One of the women, her, her daughters-in-law, they left. Because she had told them, you know, you go back to your daddy's house. Go back to your people. There's nothing for you here. And verse 15, she told uh, Ruth, she said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Return after her. Go with her. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Don't tell me to go or to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God is my God. And where you die, I'm going to die and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so more so to me and more also if anything but death part me in you. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking to her. And she said to them, call me not, uh, verse 20, Naomi, call me Mara, bitterness, for all, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So she is in bitterness. And man, if Ruth had been looking for any encouragement, she's not getting it from her. And if Ruth had been waiting for somebody to ask her to come and ask her to stay, it was not happening. She's telling her, go away. You make a mistake by looking to people to ask you to stay or be faithful. This is something you got to get settled in your heart and do even if they're asking you to go away. Nobody's asking Ruth to stay. Telling her to go away. Ruth was faithful. We see this further further we go into the book. Faithful. I mean, this language that we read, I mean, some people use that in their marriage vows and and what have you. But it's her talking to her mother-in-law. And she says, uh, uh, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Uh, Where you die, I'm dying. Faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. I'm with you. When you know the Lord has joined you to a person, to a people, to a group, to a church, to a ministry, these joinings are very significant. And you cannot wait for people to encourage you and hold your hand and build you up to stay and be faithful. If you wait on that, you're going to quit. Because there will even be times when folks trying to run you off. And, And most people, if somebody tries to run them off, they go. They are, they get offended, they get their little pride hurt, and they're gone. And that's why they're not in the book like Ruth. Why is she in the book? There were a lot of daughters-in-laws and mamas-in-laws, and there were a lot of widows, and there were a lot of sad situations throughout the centuries. How did Ruth get here? Well, they show up. She tags along with her. They are totally broke. They got nothing. Nothing. And no prospect. So that's what Naomi told them. Said, look, you know, if I had a husband tomorrow and I got pregnant, you going to wait for the boy to grow up? No, there's nothing for you here. No men, no house, no money. Go. So Orpah said, bye. (laughs) you kissed her and and she's gone (laughs) but Ruth said I'm not going don't ask me to go this is a woman this is a person that has discerned God has joined me to this woman and to this people and she has no promise of any money of any place any home any future it looks bleak And when they get to her people's country, it doesn't look any better. Her mother-in-law tells her what she needs to do is go out at harvest time. And she needs to go out and trail along behind the harvesters and see if they drop anything. 
and pick up any scraps that they might drop. We saw the humble get the grace. Didn't we? And this is not beneath Ruth. She goes out there. It was actually dangerous for a woman to be out with the worker men in those days. And she's out there in a perilous situation. And she's out there following along on her hands and knees. Picking up a few grains here. Picking up a few grains there. And Boaz sees her. He said, who is that girl? And they told him the story about how she wouldn't leave Naomi. And he tells his workers, drop some here and there. Drop handfuls on purpose. And so Ruth went from picking up a few grains here and there to handfuls at a time. Next thing you know, she's got a load, man. And she brought it to work all day in the sun. How many understand if you want grace, you can't be lazy. You can't be proud. Can't be unfaithful. See, a lot lot of people want to claim grace, but they don't want to do the things that people that have had great grace do. We got to do the same things they did. And I want you to notice this. In Ruth 2, when she got to speak to Boaz, you know, he, he let her come and eat with them. And gave her some extra. And, and verse 10, Ruth 2.10. She fell on her face. Bowed herself to the ground. And said to him, why have I found grace in your eyes? Isn't this exactly what we're talking about? Why? Why did this person get more grace, not this person? Why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? You talk about... Not only was she in obscurity, she is a broke little foreign girl. She's a nobody. And she said, why are you treating me so special? You give me all this food and, and you let me come eat. And verse, verse 11, Boaz answered and said, it has been fully showed me all that you have done to your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your nativity and are coming to a people which you knew not heretofore. What, what does this say? What does it say? I have heard, he said, how faithful you've been to your mother-in-law. I have heard how loyal. Why did Ruth get grace? Come on, did you hear? Faithful. He said, I heard how faithful you have been. Uh, I had the privilege of serving with Brother Kenneth Hagin, senior who's going home to be with the Lord now. The privilege of being with him some personal in meetings. And, and sometimes we'd be in the speaker's room before services, after services. More than once, he'd tell us a story. And one particular story he'd tell us, he wouldn't tell us any background and he wouldn't say what it meant He'd just tell the story and then say, okay, it's time to do the service. Y'all go ahead. <laughs> and the first time I heard it, I left scratching my head going, wow, what, what kind of story was that? <laughs> but let me share it with you. It's a story of actual events that occurred back when he was a boy in East Texas and back during Depression days and times. In those days, I know back where I grew up the same way back in my granddad's time, uh, oftentimes uh, the average people didn't go to the bank. They'd go to a wealthy individual in the community, and oftentimes this wealthy man or woman would loan money, even for businesses or churches, and, and that was the case there. There's a wealthy individual in the community, loaned people money for their farms, uh, had loaned money to the church to build their new building and several things. Well, hard times came and drought. And it went like three years with no crop. Well, people were not able to make their payments. They were not able to even get any seed to try to make another year. You know, one year is bad enough. Two, three, and family after family just packed up and just left. They knew they had already lost it and... They saw no prospect, no hope, so they left. 
And uh, this wealthy individual went by to talk to the people on the church. They hadn't made their payment. And I think the implication was they could have done more, but they're acting like, well, we're a church, you know. And and he said, you know, where's your payments? And and they said, well, we've been a little tight. And he said, well, I'm on foreclose. They said, no, no, you surely you won't. I mean, it's the church. What do you need a church for? He said, I'll make a barn out of it. I don't care. I'll make a warehouse. Won't bother me. And they were shocked and bothered. But he fully meant it. And family after family and farmer after farmer just walked off and left. Why? No hope. But he said there was this one guy, farmer. He ain't made a crop in years. On paperwork, his contract, he lost the farm months ago. But every day, he rolls out at daylight. He patches the fences. He whitewashes the barn. He takes his Kaiser blade and cleans the ditch. He works just like it's his place and like he's got all the money in the world and, and he won't quit. He does everything he can to do. Try to irrigate, try to get a little seed. And year after year, nothing, nothing, nothing. Said one day the rich man came, saw the guy, met him in his driveway, handed him the deed to the place. Walked away. Joe Fong. And Brother Hagin say, let's go start the service. <laughs> We'd go, wow. Do you know what the story is about? Is the Lord this way? The Bible said, behold the goodness and the severity of the Lord. Don't think. You're going to quit. You're not even going to try. You're going to get bitter and resentful and blame everybody and give up and try. And the Lord's going to feel sorry for you and everything's going to work out. It's not. You'll lose what you got. You'll go down in flames. Oh, but friend, if you'll keep getting up. Come on, if you will trust the goodness of God. If you will keep going when everybody else says it's done. When everybody else quits and gives up, if you will just keep on being faithful, I'm telling you, God will show up and hand you the deed. Come on, are you listening? He'll do it. He will hand you the deed. You can go from the prison to the throne room in a day. You can go from total obscurity. You can go from picking up scraps to being the number one lady in the whole community. Owning half the real estate. Come on. It happened to the, it happened to Esther. It happened to Daniel. It happened to Joseph. It happened to Ruth. And it happens for me. For us. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Stand up on your feet. I want to read a verse to you. Singers and players, come, please. Mm, thank you, Lord. Does that stir you up to want to be faithful? I hope so. Proverbs 3 and 3. It said, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Verse 4. So shall you what? You will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Listen to the NIV. NIV says, verse 3. Let love and what? Faithfulness never leave you. Bind them about your neck. What? Love and faithfulness. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What? Love and faithfulness. Verse five, verse four. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Do you believe this? Do you want favor? Today's English version says, never let go of loyalty and faithfulness. Tie them around your neck. You need something tied around your neck? What's tied around your neck? Loyalty. Faithfulness. Time around your neck. Write them on your heart. Verse 4. Verse 4. If you do this, both God and man will be pleased with you. You'll find favor in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Do you believe this? Hallelujah. Close your eyes and just lift up your hands before the Lord.
Lord, we honor you. We honor your word. We say your word is true. Your word is right. And it works. Your ways are perfect. And you are faithful to do what you said you would do. Say it out loud. Father God. Forgive me. For ever being unfaithful. Ever getting bitter. Ever quitting. Forgive me. That's not your way. That doesn't please you. That's not how we get favor and grace. I believe. No matter where I find myself. It's not too dark. It's not too lonely. It's not too low. For you to grace me. For you to favor me. And raise me up. And bring me out. I'll not look to men. I'll not pull on them. I'll look to you. I'll wait on you. And I'm confident. You'll be there for me. In the right time. In the right way. You'll favor me. You'll grace me. To your glory. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Oh let's lift our hands and praise him. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.